Hi, welcome to Centric Biz and Tech Talks. This is John Cackley. Today I'm with Larry English and Steve Jenkins from Centric Consulting to talk to them about the hybrid work model, which we're going to see a lot about in the upcoming uh, weeks and months as we come out of the pandemic. So we're talking today about hybrid workplace. Let's talk about how we got here. Uh, first of all, Larry, could you recap Office Optional? Sure. So we started as a remote company 20 years ago when we started the company and we did it because we thought it would be a better way for our employees to have better balance in their lives and to be happier and so we were an outlier there are very few remote companies out there and along the way we figured out what works and doesn't work and we got better and better at it and to until we got to where we were winning all kinds of awards for our culture and we figured out how to operate this way. And so people would ask me all the time, you know, how do you, I, I don't understand how that works. I can't even conceptualize that. And so came up with the idea to write this book office optional as a how-to guide for companies that wanted to be remote and have a great culture. And we were getting ready to publish it right when the pandemic happened. And so then kind of going from there, it was really interesting. There were some companies that were early adopters they were like, oh, I, you know, this is the wave of the future. This is awesome. I can see how this, you know, would be great for my company. And they and we help those companies. But the vast majority of companies you know, were fence sitters. And so what they did is they very quickly installed the tools and, you know, the the simplistic the simplest processes they could to get by and work remote. They're taking a wait and see approach. And as we were working with these different companies, we could see the polling numbers of their employees. And it was somewhere around 5% that wanted to come back into the office five days a week. So we knew that, that this is going to be a problem. And if a lot of companies started to adopt a hybrid or remote workforce, uh, it would cause all companies to have to because they were going to lose their people because their people preferred it. And so cool. what has happened is the pandemic has started to end and you've seen this domino effect starting with the technology companies announcing it to even in the last two weeks, even the federal government announced they were going to allow all their employees to have a hybrid option. So there was a study from McKinsey about two weeks ago that said nine out of 10 companies will eventually adopt a hybrid workplace model. So we knew for the longest time that that was a better way to work uh, for companies. And now everybody's kind of catching up to that secret. Microsoft published a report two weeks ago that was, hey, this is essentially the revolution of our work revolution of our time for, you know, the time that we've existed and mm -hmm. everybody's going to work remote or hybrid from now on. And I think that's what's going to play out. Let's set some terms here. How would you define hybrid workplace? Is it just some days on, some days away, or is it something different than that? You know, different companies are going to define hybrid workplace, hopefully um, differently, uh, to really kind of support their own organizations, their business, and how they how they work and serve customers. But some of the themes across different organizations would be, you know, if you're fully remote or virtual, that's that's really clear that you're there is no office and people are fully working from wherever they have Wi-Fi, maybe their home or wherever, uh, versus totally on site, which is what we were all used to, right? So hybrid is a combination of those two, but with intentionality, where you may have office space specifically designed and defined for how many people need to come together, when they need to come together, and how they need to come together. So from a, from a hybrid, it's, you know, what real estate and what kind of real estate space do you need? The me space, desks, or more gathering we space. So a hybrid company will have a point of view on that that's informed by the work 
that people do, how they need to collaborate in person, because sometimes they still may, right, need to collaborate in person or want to, uh, to collaborate in person. So an hybrid organization has an intentional approach to the real estate. They have the right collaboration tools in place to enable uh, virtual collaboration, probably as the first mode of operating, right? And then when you're in person, you're still using a lot of those virtual collaboration tools. Um, we'll also have processes defined well enough they can be uh, executed and digitized. So if you're fully up and running, right, as a hybrid, as a workplace, the steps, the processes are clear. You can execute them from anywhere. Teams know who to collaborate with on different topics. So that may require some additional clarity as well. And then conflict is often um, uh, a normal part of everyday life. So having the right trust established for a hybrid workplace where people can feel like they can talk about what they need to discuss with each other um, is also critical. And there's a whole cultural compel uh, component, excuse me, of, of needing to be comfortable working virtually and feeling like you have access to people, mm -hmm. right? And in inclusion is a real factor in this space as well. But those are some of the, the components of when you are up and running as a hybrid workplace, you'll have those in place. Great. So, Larry, when you were describing the original Office Optional, there's a lot of excitement in uh, in your voice there because obviously it was something that's part of the culture that Centric was built on. You liked it enough to write a book about it. It was exciting that, you know, obviously we're not cheering for a pandemic, but it was amazingly good timing of of that message and that that movement in the culture. So now we're hitting this hybrid model. Now, is there something about hybrid that, you know, you can be excited about too, or do you just see that this is another evolution, uh, another step in evolution? What, what do you think? Let's talk about it from two different perspectives. So let's talk about it from the employee perspective and the company perspective. For both, I think there's tremendous benefit. So from an employee perspective, people can now live anywhere. They can have a much better balance in their lives to do the things that are really uh, important to them and also work. They can be digital nomads. They can travel. Uh, it, it just allows everybody to you know, have a better life. They don't have to do the commute necessarily. Um, they can take care of kids or parents or situations like that. It just makes employees' lives better. It's a better way for them to, to live and work. And then from a company perspective, all of a sudden you open up where your talent pool, it doesn't have to be in a 30 mile radius anymore and it could be anywhere. The statistics are coming in and it is, if not the same level of productivity, companies are more productive. And so same idea, you can lower costs, you can be more effective as an organization. Uh, organizations can be more agile and there's even really cool side benefits of it allows companies to actually be more diverse and inclusive. Now, um, you've opened up the range of people that you can employ. Um, so for me, I think it's all upside. So we talk to a lot of clients and there is what I would call the, the, the older generation that are running the companies that are just so comfortable with how things used to be. It's very hard for them in, to envision how it, it can be a better model. So they're like, hey, I used to look across the office floor and there was hustle and bustle. And that's how I knew things were going well. And you can't do that, obviously, in a hybrid world. You know, we're trying to educate people um, that are reluctant to do this um, because what we're also seeing, which is really interesting, is the companies that have mandated that all their employees come back to the office, their employees are quitting. The other interesting thing mm -hmm. is recruiters know which companies that are, are doing that and they're targeting <laughs> their employees uh, saying, hey, do you want to be you know, have a more flexible lifestyle? So 
We've wow. had several clients that did this and they're, they're like, hey, could you talk to us again about that hybrid stuff? Because we think we need to change our approach. Wow. Yeah, I hadn't seen any of those numbers. Uh, that's that's pretty interesting. I mean, I've been reading several things recently. I've seen things from like, political cartoons, making fun of, well, you want me to come back in the office, you know, so you can continue to micromanage me because you don't trust me. A company here in the Chicago area and said, we're all coming back because it's an important part of our culture. So what happens? You, you Let's just talk about that for a moment. You got a major company and they say, it's our culture that we're in person. We collaborate in person. How do you respond to that? Sure. Well, Steve and I can both take a shot at the, but let's, <laughs> let's talk about culture. And it's along the same lines that we were starting to go down, which is companies have trouble visualizing that, hey, we used to have an office culture or a hallway culture. How can we overcome that in a virtual world? How does that work? And so that's what Steve and I have been working on is what are the things that you have to do to maintain culture when you are in a virtual work environment? And the the key thing is you can absolutely have a great culture, the same culture being being virtual than you can in the office. There's different tactics that you have to apply. Okay. So Steve, it sounds like a great bridge to those uh, key design decisions. You know, how do you build up culture when you're making this change? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So think about as you're transitioning to a hybrid workplace, some of the the changes that you can either kind of let happen by default, right? Or you can be very thoughtful or by design kind of shape your organization. And we find that there's seven key decision areas to really help an organization be thoughtful, intentional, and move in that direction. So the first one is, well, there's really touched on it actually creating a vision that can be understood by everyone in the organization on what are we going to be doing in a hybrid workplace? How are we going to be working together? What are the expectations? What tools are we going to be using? So really laying that vision out that kind of gives the bigger picture. And area number two is what work can effectively be done remotely? So work mode compatibility is the, is the lingo around that. And there also might be some support, extra different support or tools that are needed to be able to do the work remotely. So it's looking at, okay, well, what do we need to do to allow the work to be done remotely? So that has both uh, an assessment and an index to try to figure out the uh, work mode compatibility, but then also what do you do to make it easier? Uh, the third area is what are the implications on real estate? Mentioned that earlier. So if you have a clear view on who can be on site in a hybrid manner, who's completely off site and who's always on site, it gives you sort of your numbers and how many employees would be likely on site on a regular basis. That can drive some of your real estate decisions, which might be change the office space, right? Just the, the, the style of it, the, the form of space. It could also be you might not need the real estate that you have today, right? So it could be that you let let some buildings go if you if you lease those or possibly even sell those um, if you own. Uh, other uh, possible things around real estate would be if you have flexibility to have your home office, if you will, in quotes there, anywhere, where would it be? And is it really where it is today or should you move it? So real estate's a really fascinating part of this. The other part, another design decision uh, for is workplace norms and everything around the talent management life cycle. So that's everything from hiring all the way through off-ramp and mm-hmm. everything in between. And a, a lot of this is the culture. So the talent really drives the culture. But how do you enable those workplace norms that will support collaboration across distance? How do you have a healthy, productive culture? 
and modernize your talent management processes so people really can have career development, mentoring, coaching, performance review feedback, all of that uh, very effectively remotely. Fifth area, collaborating uh, across teams, right? So often you have a large team or a small team uh, to get work done. It's almost everything we do is in collaboration these days. And how do you do that virtually? And there's different skills to go into that, not just the same as you when you're in person. There's, there's different asynchronous and synchronous work uh, that comes into play, the, the video and how do you read the room um, virtually, mm-hmm. and how do you finish work and get it to others, but collaborate in a way that um, creates innovative thinking, gives people the psychological security to have that, that collaboration. Perhaps that was more natural in person. Perhaps it wasn't, but you still need to do that in a virtual world. Uh, sixth one is around uh, digitizing processes. So a lot of companies have already obviously moved to the cloud, but there still might be a lot of companies that are not there fully yet. So moving more of your processes, apps, all to the cloud makes it consumable from anywhere, obviously. And also kind of leaning out in your processes for digital execution. And then the seventh one, uh, which I, I think is something that's is so critical, is having the right modern collaboration technology. There's different tools on the market, Microsoft Teams, um, is, a, is a classic great great one to use, as well as the right security. So with many people using mobile and just being in different Wi-Fi settings, the security is absolutely critical. So those are the main seven. And usually if you can work through those seven and figure out the right the way to configure all those, that leads up to your vision, which then makes it clear how to how to lead the organization. Cool. That's a that's a great summary, great set of points there. One thing leapt out to me in that, uh, you know, the implications on real estate drove out, you know, when you get of a model where you might say, hey, this set of people will be off-site most of the time. These people have a two-on, three-off, three-on, two, whatever those numbers would be. Other yep. people maybe are in full-time. In the world before, there was a reasonable amount of evidence that said people who are working remotely were more likely to be you know, frankly, ignored, you know, passed over for promotion, you know, less highly evaluated than people who are in person. My company is going to a hybrid model, which is not just which days I go into the office, but some people run full time and I'm a thousand miles away. What would you recommend to try to make a company take away that fear that someone's going to say, hey, I'm going to get shortchanged in this? What would you do there? Yeah, it's a great question. And so a couple thoughts come to mind. One, uh, if you do have an office space where you have meetings occurring, where you have some people in person, maybe five people in an office itself, right? And then you've got maybe another seven people independently joining that meeting from a remote setting. You have a mixed meeting there where be- before pandemic, before the pandemic, uh, usually the meeting uh, the, that had the people in person for a world uh, engagement, right? Where you, that's where most of the collaboration was occurring. Right. Uh, then we all went to the extreme, which was we're all independently calling in, right? But soon with people coming back into the office, we're going to have that mixed meeting style. And there's different technologies that may be more useful for that, wanting to fully engage all remote participants with the participants that are in person live, right? So that might mean larger monitors so like everyone's face can be seen. That may mean technology that will zoom and follow, like cameras that will zoom and follow people who are speaking. 
could also mean that it would, it would zoom in on whiteboards that people are drawing on, right? So there's different technologies that are addressing that challenge in business. I think the other aspect of it is the responsibility of all the participants, right? To have that, that respect and bring people into the conversation, reach out to people, what's on your mind? What are your thoughts on this? And to have a, an electronic way to, to share what's happening in the meeting in real time and that way, it's, it equals the playing field with all participants, regardless if they're in-person or dialing from a remote environment. Okay. Larry, any thoughts that you have on that to add in? It is amazing how uh, much new technology is being rushing in to address the marketplace. It's the wild, wild west. And so we get to see uh, different, you know, different uh, variations. And there's some that are not good <laughs> that I've seen. <laughs> The one that's really interesting to me is there's a there's a huge amount of companies that are like they're recreating the office visually. And so like you knock on the front door and you go into somebody's office and I've met with some of the founders of those and I'm like, I I don't think this is not we've been doing this for 20 years. This is not what we do. And <laughs> so I think it's great. There's so much innovation. But there's going to be a calling of, of that and the best, you know, products that actually, you know, work the best will, will come out of this at the end. All right. I'm so, looking forward to the hologram style, John. Oh. You know, we can just all show up and sit next to each other in virtual world. Well, actually, it's one of my favorite features on Teams is you can set up, you know, the observe you know, people so they look like they're all sitting in like an audience or around a table. That's actually one of the yeah. views of, the, uh, uh, of that. And actually, I had something. I have no idea if this is an actual feature or not. I think it was in was it Blue Jeans is a tool that I'm I'm using a lot, and I could swear that they changed the audio in my because I use a headset all the time because I don't you know trust the speakers in my computer or whatever so I could swear that it would set positionality like the stereo of it for different people talking. Now the thing is I don't know if that's true or not because shortly after that my headset broke like died. You know, so it could just have been that it was very highly variable, uh, you know, wiring in my in my headset. It may have had nothing to do with interesting feature. I thought it was really cool if it was a feature. You know, the idea that someone's over here, someone's over here. You know, it's uh, you're actually getting more of a spatial feel. But the, there knows, is that could have been in my mind. No, there is software that does that. So, oh, okay. Uh, there are ones hmm. that are trying to replicate the the um, bump-ins that happen. Like, let's say you're at a happy hour, and uh -huh. as you're walking around virtually it the closer you get the louder it gets and you can overhear different conversations and you can join them <laughs> oh so you can crazy. like crash the party larry and just kind of yeah. jump right into the meeting oh, exactly. well, see, yeah and, and yeah. so you can feel awkward and left out in a virtual sense too right <laughs> it's like oh i don't want to join that conversation i don't know <laughs> john's over in the corner that's right. <laughs> All right. So, so Steve, you went through this great list of, you know, different things for people to think about. You know, you're talking to a client, what to do. Do you write all these things down, turn them on all at once? Or is there sort of a, you know, a migration? How do you migrate a company doing this? Yep. Yeah, that's a good question. So it's interesting because uh, the Microsoft study that came out recently, only 32% only of companies have a transition plan to a hybrid workplace. Many more are considering it, but at this point, only 32 have either planned it or starting to communicate it. So it's definitely a, a pretty big need for companies to think through. So you're right. It's not just uh, run at it and do it all at once. So we've, we've designed an approach to first envision that hybrid workplace, 
uh, which really includes understanding how the current state's been working, right? What's been working well? What are some of the challenges? That covers technology process, that covers collaboration between people, teams, all that. It also includes that uh, work mode compatibility assessment. So really understanding each person's work in the company and coming up with the index on a scale of one to zero, uh, one to 100 and uh, figuring out what accommodations might be necessary. Uh, so that's the Envision piece. We pull all that together, which kind of gives a nice snapshot of where the company is and sort of the, some of the strategic choices they can make around where they want to go. How hybrid do they want to be, right? So that, or how hybrid can they be comes out of that phase. Uh, the next phase is define. Uh, that goes right into prepare and then ultimately implement. So the second phase is define gets into the details. So it starts to put the flesh out there on the, um, the, the vision. And that includes getting into the policy creation for the organization, maybe around some of the most uh, common ones are like stipends for what uh, home office environments people need, technology plus, standing desk, things like that. It could also be rules around engagement in the organization. So uh, expected to have uh, one-on-ones with leaders with some, some frequency, team gathering. So some of that could even be put into policies. Other policies that get sticky would be if your employees are moving, uh, maybe to different locations, all of a sudden you've got tax variations that need to be taken into account. Right. So there's, there's plenty of um, HR policy to be taken care of in that defined stage so people know what they're working with and how to operate going forward. Also in the defined phase, uh, you know, we've we've established a set of best practices in working with, with clients on, on uh, operating norms uh, in seven areas. And those operating norms also are now associate toolkits and some learning that goes with that. So in this defined phase, we, we take those best practices and those accelerators and uh, really kind of refine it and align it to the, to the company that we're working with. So that's the defined phase, and that gets clear on how to operate is the, is the goal there. And then the third phase is prepare. So there might be other initiatives that need to take place for the organization to function in a hybrid, in a hybrid workplace, like uh, the technology and collaboration tools is a good example, right? Mm-hmm. So we've got a way of looking at um, the organization through a lens that to enable those key initiatives that the company would have to establish. Not all of those will probably going to be implemented right away. It may take some time, maybe, you know, six to 12 months to do those and transition more fully into a, to a hybrid. I mean, really at that point, it's additional um, figuring out the impacts or the implications on some mm-hmm. teams. How do they need to work differently? How do communications need to occur? How will the uh, leadership team uh, hold like a town hall? You know, if not everyone's in place, in the same place at the same time. And there's technologies that can help with that. So it's really starting to uh, translate how a company has been operating into how they will operate through all those different means. And then lastly, the implementation uh, and continuous measurement of, you know, how well it's working. So we, um, you know, we'd recommend an employee listening strategy. That's to really kind of understand on a regular basis how it's going and then adapting. So those are the the main four phases. You know, different companies start in different places and some companies have had big portions of their workforce already remote. So they're ahead and others are starting from scratch, if you will. So each transition is unique to the business and the business and the customers. Okay. 
that's sort of at a program level. And we've also talked about things sort of from the employee level and, and all the all the great things coming from that. So let's say I'm a director at a client or a VP, and I'm like, I want to see these people. I walk down the halls, my 1980s management by wandering around. I still use that book, One Minute Manager. I'm on that. I don't want to do this. How would you coach one-on-one an individual it's like, I got to see these people. I got to see them doing work. I want to be able to stop by any time. How do you coach them? When I coach, I love to use questions, right? So the first thing I would do is just say, well, tell me more about that. Why is that? Or I'd ask, how's it been working over the past six months? <laughs> tell me a story about, you know, uh, how something's gone really well. And then tell me a story about maybe something that didn't go so well and and then start to pull out from that. Obviously, what I'm trying to do is influence their they're thinking so they right. they can see that, hey, it's been working most likely pretty well for 12 months and then sort of get into perhaps it's their personal preference. Right. That really is what's driving them versus productivity. But I don't know, Larry, what are your thoughts on that? What I would say, so we've talked to a lot, lots of companies and executives with objections and what I would say is every single objection that we've heard can be overcome in a remote model. And there are ways, you know, take it from innovation to handling conflict to uh, equity or fairness of remote employees versus in, in office. It is usually helping people to see how it can be done uh, and the ways that you can do it through tools and how the tactics are different and but can be just as effective and getting them comfortable with that. So that might mean piloting different techniques, um, those sort of things. Okay, cool. So you brought up tools again. Obviously, the, you, you've already been going through a whole bunch of tools, a lot of different interesting things. So I was talking with Brian Sador in our innovation lab the other day, doing a podcast about what's new in innovation. And what we talked about virtual water cooler. And one of the things, it sounded like the same thing of, you know, you can walk around your, your virtual office and knock on a virtual door, is the virtual water cooler idea is is the idea that you might sort of put up a little flag, whether it's in Teams, whatever, or some other tool, to say, hey, I'm available to chat, right? Because normally you'd walk down to the break room and you're getting your uh, your Coke or your Fritos. Then you sort of signal, I'm away from my desk. I must be available. We don't really have that anymore. So what have you seen that you like that sort of bridges that and fills that in for a culture? So you have to recreate these natural bumps, bump ins in a virtual world. And there are different ways that you can do that, both tool and process. And like you were saying, I, I, we're going to see tremendous innovation of tools as well. There's, um, uh, as an example, there's, I think, it, is it Slack or Zoom that has Donut? That, so there's, there's different variations of this, but it's ways that randomly generates um, people for you to connect to and so that you start oh, to build okay. those relationships. <clears throat> and so what we do is, well, let's, let's do innovation. We have taken our innovation process and we've put it online. So you bring visibility to everything that's happening so people can see what are the ideas that are coming through and which ones are getting funded and then they can choose to opt into that to ask to participate on that that team so it's a virtual um solution of that but but from a process standpoint also uh, we do things like we use the beginning of our meetings for virtual connection so a virtual water cooler which is all about 
connecting. And then we also design when a new leader joins our company, we'll give them 30, 60, and 90 days, a list, a prioritized list of people that they should connect with just to build a personal relationship and get to know uh, people. So there's multiple ways that you have to go. It's possible to do it, both process and tools to accomplish it. Cool. Cool. Steve, anything to add into that? Well, probably one of the tools that I like to use that's uh, maybe in a lot of people at their fingertips already is uh, if you use Teams, you can really kind of click uh, if you're available or not. And uh, I will sometimes look up different people to see if they're available, even though there's no like flag that says they are. I use that sometimes just to see who is anyone's available to chat. Or, you know, it's the simple one, but it's a class like and you just kind of message somebody and say, hey, got a minute or you busy or I don't know, just that same thing you might do if you're in a in a building where you just walk by and poke your head in and say, hey, what's going on? Yeah, you're right. That's actually sort of the old, I was going to say that's the old style of just remembering, even if you're online, like there's nothing wrong with reaching out to people, right? It's, (laughs) yeah, you know, it's, it's okay to do that. So the the other thing that I would add, and I don't know if you agree with this, Steve, is for it to be successful in a company, the executive team has to adopt whatever everybody else is using. So if you're using Teams, make yourself available for chat. They have an open door policy around the tool. Uh, the more you can model that behavior, everybody will adopt it. So does that mean you I can start that? sending you the cat videos, Larry? Or is that okay? I've got some great ones. I might ones. block those. <laughs> <laughs> it's like office hours almost, right? It's like just put yourself out there and say, hey, these are open open to anybody to stop in. Um, I, I know one organization has been doing that, and it's worked really well. Some of that impromptu conversation just happened. Cool. So, you know, we started this, we're talking about office optional and how that moved into hybrid. Now we're, we've talked about the the steps to migrate an organization towards towards hybrid. What do you think? Do you think it's going to be this sort of hybrid model for the next uh, generation? Or are we going to see something else three years from now? And what do you think that might look like? I'll try and do my best to prognosticate and guess here, but I will use ourselves as an example. And what I've seen, this is true of uh, a lot of companies, the more comfortable you get with remote, the less need you need for office space. And so we've had to get office space from time to time for various reasons, client demand or whatever. And I remember stopping by some of that office space and it was always dark. There was nobody there like, why do we have this space? But that's what naturally happens. So, you know, the vast majority of companies right now are just having such a hard time envisioning. I've got all this massive real estate and this is how I've worked forever. We've got to do hybrid. We've got, you know, they're having trouble recognizing that. But what I see is typically as people become more and more comfortable with remote and working remote, you you need less and less office space. So I suspect you'll see that trend over time. I think we're already past the tipping point. We're, we're, we're going to have hybrid and remote workers no matter what. And I think it'll you know continue to become more remote. Yeah, I'll throw a couple of possibilities out there, predictions. So, you know, just near term, maybe six months, eight months, when organizations are no longer fully remote and really hitting that first few months of hybrid, I think it's going to be a challenge because the pace of work and collaboration and, and productivity has just gone up, like day-to-day pace, right? Mm-hmm. And to suddenly be commuting again and be walking around an office again, 
And there's going to be so much time that, that people start to realize that they're doing that. But on then all the work is still piling up because I don't believe business is going to suddenly slow down because a company is going hybrid. So I think it's going to be an interesting phase two grand experiment, right? And and then from there, I suspect that there's going to be possibly even more of a lean towards being virtual, even for those hybrid organizations, because they're going to find that the pace of business is, is almost going to require it in many ways. Uh, unless unless it's internal groups, only working with internal groups, there's more control, right, that a organization may have. But external groups and like groups that are working with external groups, the pace, I don't think the pace is going to slow down because people go hybrid. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on an interesting client project right now, which is, you know, the, probably two thirds of the people are with uh, an outside organization. It's a vendor situation. And, you know, so on the one hand, you know, I think we're all working pretty, pretty well with a very virtual team. It's all over the uh, all over North America. You know, the real challenge and maybe this is where someone's got to click through with something is that the client and this other provider, we have no collaboration tools that cross mm. the uh, that cross the, the firewalls because both organizations have security rules <laughs> that block the use across across it so for instance meetings can only be set up by the by the provider because they can't actually access using teams it blows my mind actually that this company would would have created that barrier for themselves you'd think they'd want to collaborate more but you know that'll be an uh, i'm sure a field for a lot of people to uh, figure out figure out solutions there's one thing I wanted to throw in also is, you know, I've worked virtual or, you know, remote for many years myself, and I think I'm pretty good at it. I think I could maybe I'd be better at it. But one of the things that I am missing, and I'm really looking forward to, Centric is supposed to have our, I guess, our summer meeting in person in September. And I think a whole bunch of us are really jazzed by that. Going back, being in person, that just reminds you who you're working for, who you're working with, and it's going to be pretty valuable I think that's an important part of any virtual or hybrid situation is you got to have the in-person time some of the time. Oh, absolutely. We'd recommend any strategy, any hybrid strategy, any virtual strategy, you build in some component of in-person or face-to-face. And it's going to be different for every company, but you're exactly right. It it energizes people that you can't do virtually. It it reinforces the relationships that you've built virtually. Um, so yeah, and and I think there's obviously pent up demand. Everybody wants to see everybody again and hug them, and you'll see that for a while. But the, and then I think you'll get back to a, a steady state. But what we'd recommend and what we've seen is you have to have an in person or uh, you know gathering strategy for your company. All right. And how nice will it be to meet some of those new hires that we've. We hired over the past 12 months. <laughs> like, hey, first time ever seeing you in person. How nice is that? That's right. That's right. Steve, anything else? Uh, any closing remarks? As with many things in business, this is a transition, right? And there's there's always some, some change that comes along with that. And uh, if people can be mindful of how they're reacting to the change and think about what they're doing well and what they can do to improve and then just take one step every day to get better and better at it. Stick with it. Maybe easier some days than others, as an organization goes. Again, as you start out, John, it's not something you snap your fingers and it's all of a sudden hybrid. It is a, a, a transition process. All right, Larry. Any closing thoughts from you? Yes. Yeah, so, if you are still skeptical 
that we're not we're not going to have remote or hybrid going forward, please come talk to us because we want to save you some pain. It is going <laughs> it's going to happen. And like Steve was saying, it, it is not just it's not like the simple thing that you install Zoom and you're done. It is way more complex than that if you really want to do it well and you know get started. Are you going to put your cell number in this podcast? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But you are open to cat videos, right? You know, I am a dog guy. Dog videos. Okay. As I was going to say, dog videos don't really translate well in a podcast because you can't, you know, anyway, that's, this has been Centric Biz and Tech Talks. Thanks to Larry English and Steve Jenkins for joining me today. And thank you for listening.